Hello, and welcome to the Digital Workspace Works podcast. I'm Ryan Purvis, your host, supported by our producer Heather Bicknell. In this series, you'll hear stories and opinions from experts in the field, stories from the front lines, the problems they face and how they solve them, the areas they're focused on from technology, people and processes, to the approaches they took that will help you to get to the scripts for the digital workspace inner workings. Good. Um, it's an interesting Teams pop-up. The meeting is locked. Did you see that? Yeah, one? I pressed the, again, fat fingers. I pressed the wrong button next to the start record button. Now I've locked it. I didn't know that was a feature. That's interesting. Um, yeah, you would think, though, that the meeting would be locked by default. If you think about it. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I am I'm doing good. How are you? Yeah, it's been an interesting week. My um, my wife has had a, a molar that uh, was root canaled and um, has failed. So she's been in agony since about yeah. Saturday. So we've been running around with dentists and whatever. We're trying to get the tooth taken out. But you can't have the tooth taken out until it simmers down. Otherwise, it's even more pain. Um, so it looks like it'll come out tomorrow. But uh, I've never seen someone in so much pain in my life. Um, so, yeah, it's been interesting. So she's pretty, pretty much been in bed. Yeah, so we, we're doing twice-a-day trips to the uh, dentist to get it numbed because even the painkillers and the sleeping pills that she's taking aren't helping because it's pushing on a nerve. So she's suffering. So, yeah, it's been, it's been a rough week in that respect. But she live and learn. We should have had the tooth taken out, and instead we tried the root canal. So, dental stuff—it's like it's never fun, right? No, no, never, never, ever, ever. So, so yeah, uh, we live and learn, as I say. There's only so much you can uh, do in these sort of circumstances, except for—I mean, it's easy for me to say I'm not in pain, um, but you just got to keep going. Anyway, we'll, we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. Hopefully, tomorrow it's all done, and we're good. Um, excuse the the sound of the generator in the background. We're having one of our uh, well-known um, what do you call those things? Load shedding exercises. So, I actually can't hear it. I wonder if it'll pick up on the recording, or if Teams is doing um, some audio cutting out the background noise. Um. I think Apple, oh no, Apple's not on isolation, now it's on voice isolation. It might be Teams actually doing it. That's interesting. Maybe it's doing what's supposed to be doing. We'll see what the recording says. It might be different <laughs> uh, than this experience, but right now I can't hear it, which is surprising uh, for the generator. So how long have you been without power? Uh, since two o'clock. So, I could, you know, as I, as I said to you before, we have the means, so it, it's a generator. I mean, you know, if I look if I look down the road, there's so many people putting in solar power here, which makes so much sense. Like, you know, solar panels, batteries, um, inverters. You know, you're gonna spend ten thousand pounds, two hundred fifty thousand rand, or so to put them in if you put in a really proper system. But then you never have power problems. You're off the grid, basically. You know, the RI is not there. You, you know, you won't get your return on investment, but you will 
slowly but surely enjoy your your freedom from the network. So yeah, I mean, as I say, we've got the means, so we're fine. Uh, it's just noisy. If you have inverted, it's quiet. Mm-hmm. But then your batteries only last a certain amount of, you know, you can only charge so much, only use so much battery. And, um, yeah, those things you've got to be aware of. But uh, it's, it's all good. It works out. Anyway, um, we wanted to chat about the, uh, the education thing I sent you. Yeah, so I thought this was an interesting idea um, that you sent over. What I kind of, you know, took away from this was the somewhat of the impact of the pandemic and the subsequent, you know, sort of life reevaluation people have done um, leading to the great resignation, how that's kind of related to people, you know, starting their own businesses and creating their own learning courses and kind of becoming educational content creators. Is that what you were kind of thinking we'd be chatting about or what was your take on um, that? Well, I think it's, the, I think you've, you've summed up really nicely and, and it's that, and it's also, um, you know, coming back to, to the, the, the freedom or the time saved by not having to be forced to go to an office unnecessarily. Um, I won't say you never have to go to an office, but I think there's this time and place for it. It's given people the opportunity to go and do courses. And, and instead of having to, again, now travel to go to do a course, I mean, I, I think there's, there's benefit in doing some courses face-to-face, um, or at least with, with, with your working thing. But it's, it is that, that ability to do a course on a platform and have the the flexibility and and the access to content to when you want it when you want to do it that gives people that ability to to tackle a course um so i think that was interesting i think also because people have had time people are making more courses sharing their knowledge and one of the things that uh, and this is not so much with the great resignation, this is more the age problem we have, is a lot of people are leaving roles to go into retirement, early retirement in some cases, because they are being, you know, it's an archaic number. You know, when you hit this number, you have to go. Um, and, and those people are at least sharing some of their knowledge because what's happening is the people that are coming in don't have that knowledge and they need to leverage it from somewhere. And I, I was thinking that's, that's a really good avenue for um, people to learn about a job uh, or learn those core skills. Those core skills you're not taught in a university, not taught in a high school or, or whatever it is. Um, and, and I would see that platforms like this will start feeding into the corporate world where, um, and we were, start, we were sort of doing it in some organizations where, you know, instead of IT making the videos, we're getting business users to make the videos. Um, and that has been shared internally but i'm thinking more now on a, on a bigger scale and i thought that's what was interesting about this here's a platform you can use it to create your your offering and you can generate revenue from it because now you are sharing your content but also someone else can benefit and more people can benefit from your learning that's like critical thinking problem solving planning a project you know there's lots of methodologies for these things but but if someone can teach you how they've done it and actually give you real life example and that's that's really Pretty huge. So that's what I was thinking about when I listened to the the episode. 
um, that I shared with you. Got it. No, yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, it also makes me, uh, when you're describing it that way, think about Microsoft Viva, specifically Viva Learning. Yeah. I don't know if you've um, interacted with much with Viva, and I personally haven't actually used Viva Learning. I only kind of know what Microsoft had um, promoted as the offering, but that to me was an interesting addition because obviously most of the time organizations are seeking out if they have one, you know, some HR tool or some e-learning, like some separate offering, obviously outside of the Microsoft ecosystem. And then that kind of limits what, you know, they might pull over certain, they might buy certain courses, right. And pull over that content. Um, I think Viva was, subscription based if you have if you subscribe to one of those then that gets pulled into your viva learning plus you can create content within your organization and show it I'm, I'm pretty sure that's how it works anyway but that to me was an interesting offering for sort of formalizing um and then offering it to employees because i think what can be difficult especially when you're talking about educating the younger workforce is you know, if they're expected to go out and purchase things on their own, um, there's no sort of stipend for learning and development, or they're not giving given time within their workday to go do that, kind of creates these barriers of like, you really have to be self-motivated and also kind of understand what courses would be beneficial to you um, and kind of roll the dice um, on whether or not a certain e-learning course would be, you know, a good one to spend your dollar on yeah and, and and there's lots of these these things around i mean you've got udemy you've got um coursera uh yes yeah, there's, there's a few that you can pay a subscription and get access to uh and those are those are good i mean i've done a couple of courses on them um and they're reasonable i mean if you think about what you would spend on a on a, on a course in a in a degree or something like that and the amount of subjects you have to do that are not relevant to what you want to do and then you've got these options that you can go and do. Um, the one that I quite like for our industry is, um, oh, it's kind of my brain. Um, it's called IT something, IT Pro, uh, IT Pro TV, that's what it's called. And you can pay a subscription, and if you do one of their deals throughout, where you get the 30% discount, it's a lifetime discount. And then it's access to every common piece of technology out there. And they, they teach you how to use, you know, ITIL or how to use um, some of the market products or, or whatever it is. Um, and, it's, and it's really bite-sized lectures, 10, 15 minutes. I, I definitely think you're going to start seeing it. And I was actually watching some MIT stuff yesterday. Um, the, the acronym for this is MOOC, which I can't remember what it stands for, NOOC. I can definitely see in the future courses becoming made up of, of sort of in, in on-premise practical in or, or, or theoretical lectures plus online materials and bringing that down to the device so you know if i look at the schooling here in south africa there's a lot of apps floating around now where your whole curriculum is actually on the app and as long as you've got a tablet or a laptop you can use it and you can do everything except for write your exams exams you still have to go into the examples and i, I can see that filtering up into the corporate world where you know, if you want to do a Prince 2, well, you can do this anyway. You can go do a Prince 2 course now 
Um, I use a, a service for that. And then you just write the exam in the center. Uh, and you can even do the exam remotely. You can sit there and, and they've got a, um, an online application that you use. And then that, that tags into your camera and they can watch you um, while you do your exam and make sure you're not cheating. And you're filling in the, um, the exam paper. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think the younger generations are um, going to be primed to use online learning throughout their career, um, not to mention just working in a more flexible way, knowing how to use tools like Teams and Zoom, knowing how to use online file sharing, all that kind of being just what they grew up in. Um, and then the ability to, you know, absorb online lectures and have that be what you, you know, base your degree on. I think that's still a more recent thing um, and good training to kind of do that self-directed learning. Because if no one is, you know, if you're not in a classroom, you have to take on a certain amount of uh, accountability, I guess, and and you're the one who's helping yourself pay attention rather than like the social pressure of being in a classroom where, you know, your professor is uh, looking at you. So, but yeah, I guess I'd be interested. So do you, when it comes to learning and development in your career, do you try to set a certain amount of time aside? Do you, like, how, how have you managed that throughout your career? Do you think about it in any sort of, um, formal way or you just look for opportunities yeah so so at the moment it's opportunistic um and and i started doing some stuff and i just got I, you know with two kids you just don't have the time um you know, as much as you think you do but but getting up at 4 a.m to do that stuff uh and then still it's gone a bit better now but when, when my my daughter was born and we came here to South Africa. She was three months old. That period, I was trying to study at the same time, and it just didn't happen. Um, now it's getting a bit better. In fact, ironically, it's probably getting to the point now that I could start studying something again, so I probably will start. Um, and then I, I honestly believe that you've got to get up and do it as the first thing you do in the day. Um, so that means you're up at 4 or 5 a.m. to do it, then that's when you do it. And, and an hour a day is much easier then um, trying to cram it in over weekends and stuff like that because with kids that doesn't work. Uh, in fact, I was talking to someone before this and, and he's got assignments and all that stuff and he's running a business. You know, he's supposed to be on study leave and he was sitting explaining to me about all the stuff he has to do this week and he's, you know to keep the business going. So I think it's very it's very difficult to work and study. So you've got to really set the time aside and you've got to be so selfish about it, which is why. It's so difficult to study when you're working and you've got family and all that sort of stuff. Um, so my advice is to try and get it done before you have kids or at least wait till the kids are a bit older. You know, now that my son is four, I can sit and work for an hour on something and he can watch something on TV or play with his cars and I don't need to be with him. Whereas about six months ago, I'd have to be with him the whole time. Um, so it's those things that you, you, know, you look for. Uh, I find nowadays there's so much you can learn in short snippets. Like I was do, I wanted to refresh myself up on on Scrum the other day, so I just found three or four YouTube clips, and I watched those at two x speed, 
And it was like, oh, yeah, I, I remember this now. Okay, cool. Make some notes, things I've forgotten, write it down. And that's it. You know, I don't, I don't feel like I need to go and write the exam to know the stuff. Um, you know, and I think that's just a, a personal choice as well, that I don't feel like I need an exam credential, um, whereas some people would want it. Uh, you know, I'd love to do an MBA one day, but in some respects, I don't think I need to necessarily do the two years. I just need to go and learn the content by reading the books and talking to people that have the MBAs. What are your thoughts? Yeah. No, I mean, that's the thing, right, is that there is really kind of you, so much content is out there and freely available. It's just finding the stuff that's worth your time and then, you know, figuring out how to work some structure around it. So I think obviously that's where e-learning um, packages can be super helpful because they put the structure in for you. And then like you're saying, you get some certificate at the end. So hopefully it has sort of some sort of return on investment for you, whether, um, you know, helping you step into a new role or um, increasing your value within your organization. But um, I think if it's just more pure knowledge that you're seeking, I think, you know, the approach that you've described of just kind of looking out, uh, you know, cons consuming the content that is out there. Um, you don't necessarily need to, you know, have a formal um, well, it depends on it. it depends on what your goals are, and I, and I do need to tie up off mm -hmm. to this point. I mean, if you if you want to be a scrum master in a dev team, then you need to go and do the certifications. If you need a general bit of knowledge, like I do usually, then you don't need to do the certifications. You need to do the course. You can pay for the course, and some of these things you can do the course and and, and only only pay if you want the certificate, uh, which means running the test. And often, you know, you don't need to do it, which means you can learn a lot of the stuff for free just the core concepts and move on and then you're good. Um, I do need to run, um, but uh, it was good chatting. All righty. Yep. See you later. Thanks. Eva. Cheers. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Heather Bicknell is our producer and editor. Thank you, Heather, for your hard work on this episode. Please subscribe to the series and rate us on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Follow us on Twitter at the DWW podcast. The show notes and transcripts will be available on the website, www.digitalworkspace.works. Please also visit our website, www.digitalworkspace.works, and subscribe to our newsletter. And lastly, if you found this episode useful, please share with your friends or colleagues.